What's up guys, Luke here. This week we are talking to Thomas Arnold. So this is a kind of a different one for us. We're talking to somebody who's just getting started in his career. He's just leaving college. Really interesting guy. We talked to him about his the success of his YouTube channel. Also about how he started his own business uh, doing video, um, video marketing uh, and video uh, creation for companies like Microsoft all that type of stuff so if you guys are out there and you're just starting in your career if you're looking for a little bit of inspiration when it comes to entrepreneurship this is the one for you uh, it's kind of a different vibe me and Mark are talking to Thomas as a couple of people who've uh, been down a little bit further down the road um, so we kind of turn into coaches at one stage we're trying to get him to chase his dream rather than just to settle for a job but this is uh, I don't think there's any fear of that he seems like he's really got his plan in place and he's going after it which is great so this one if you're interested in YouTube if you're interested in entrepreneurship if you're interested in uh, running your own business uh, straight out of college this is the one for you so enjoy this week we are brought to you by audible uh, last week I finished my longevity book which was great um, I started a new book uh, this week um, called you can't hurt me um, by uh, what's that Navy SEALs name I forget his name now anyway but if you search that it's really good really interesting it's like he starts off very uh kind of a really terrible life and then uh you know achieves lots of stuff so very interesting very inspirational i'm digging into that this week if you'd like a free audiobook um you can click through the link below supports the podcast and you get to keep the book even if you cancel great deal all right now over to the lads this is thomas Ar arnold of youtube fame Welcome to The Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? Uh, welcome to another uh, episode of The Shark Pod uh, with your host, Luke Curry, uh, here in Greystones. Mark is out there in Glenageary, uh, our other co-host. How are you doing, Mark? Good, good. How are you? I'm fantastic, fantastic. This is our second one of the weekend. Um, we're, we're, we're pushing through. We've got a great guest here today, uh, Thomas Arnold um, of YouTube fame. But also, uh, we're going to dig into uh, where he goes from here. This might be a nice snapshot. This is what we were just talking about before we uh, started the, the podcast today, that um, that Thomas is just about to finish his or get his, uh, his university results tomorrow. So this might be a nice jumping off point because we don't know what the next step is, is going to be completely. Maybe 10 years from now, we might look back to this and say, you know, I was way off or I was on the money or, you know, we're going to we're gonna figure it. We'll have a, a nice little time capsule here. How are you doing, Thomas? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, Shark Nation, what a great name. <laughs> Holy Lord. And when you said curry, I was like, it's Steph Curry, the Irish version of Steph Curry. So it's, 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 it's we're, we're doing, there's a lot of similarities there. Um, you know, not not everything's the same, but the, it's spelt the the same as uh, uh, the great basketball player uh, Steph Curry. Um, so, like I said, you're very welcome here uh, to give some background to the um, to the audience here. Um, I'm sure they, if they're on YouTube and they're like in the kind of Irish YouTuber uh, kind of sphere, they'll, they'll definitely know your background. But uh, you're you put out a lot of uh, content on YouTube, and that's kind of how people would know you but you're also uh running your own kind of business which is what we're really interested in as well um when did you so when did you get started in uh, on the youtube um kind of path or when did you start making movies or videos yeah i first started making youtube videos when i was 14 because uh, 
sort of didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. <laughs> um, I started after I, I was in France with my parents and my dad had this video camera and I was majorly into YouTube because I had an iPod touch and I literally spent probably eight to 10 hours a day watching YouTube videos. I was just so engrossed in the whole thing. So when I was growing up, YouTubers were celebrities to me. Like I didn't really watch as much TV and they were all sort of my heroes. So I, for some reason, wanted to make videos. So I started to do little comedy skits featuring myself and my sister and I'd edit them on my old, my dad's old laptop. And after about two or three months of doing that, I asked dad, could I make a YouTube video? And he's a classic old traditional Irish dad. He's like, not a chance. Um, but I was playing cricket at the time. And he said, well, if you made educational videos and I vetted them beforehand, then I'd allow you to post them. So I did this very simple thing of I'd pick a topic uh, to do with cricket. I Google search it, make a script, do it to camera, edit it on my dad's laptop and do it every two weeks, roughly. And uh, the channel did really well. Like I only had maybe six or 700 subscribers, but it got 200,000 views in 18 months because th there was nobody making cricket tutorials at the time. Uh, so that was me when I was 14. Fast forward almost 10 years now, I'm 23. I've been, I did YouTube on and off until I was 18, until I went into college and I started vlogging in college and that's what I've been doing consistently ever since it was vlogging. Then it formed, like transformed into trying to make viral videos and now i'm trying to figure out what to do next because i can't do college content anymore because i'm finished college yeah so it's a transitionary period for me so interesting really, really surprised me there when you were saying that you've been doing this for almost 10 years it seems like like you're only 23 years getting started most <laughs> most 23 year olds have i don't know what the, like when i was 23 i guess i was coming out of college as well um i had I'd gone down the the road of, and Mark will tell you this because he saw the whole thing in in real time. Mark's my brother-in-law, by the way. Um, so oh, I didn't know. Yeah, so that's how <laughs> we know each other. But um, so when I was a bit younger than uh, Mark, I had a, a, I'd spent a lot of my college years trying to uh, sell things on the internet. Tried to get e-commerce going, didn't really work out. A lot of that was because it was a little bit dodgy. Always, I was always trying to find an angle, uh, and Mark would be uh, <laughs> disappointed in the outcome, all that type of stuff. Anyway, um, so. But my point is, when I came out of college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, as in there was no path. I know maybe you're saying that you don't have, uh, you don't know what to do with your videos, but at least is that is, is that what your focus is going to be, continue to uh, be somewhere in the video space? Yeah, definitely. I sort of, like my day-to-day -day job is I do essentially like freelance video work for businesses. So video is, is a part of my day-to-day -day anyway. But I guess what I'm trying to figure out now is, I'm on 15K on YouTube, which is grand. And I guess a more important metric would be that I get maybe two to 3,000 views anytime I post a video, even if it's not great clickbait or something. But I'm trying to figure out now, how can I get from 15 to 50K? And what's the strategy that gets me there? And is it that I hammer down on a niche? Is it that I try and just make incredibly interesting titles and thumbnails i'm just trying to figure out what that next strategy is and also trying to not alienate the audience that i've already built up yeah. uh, which is for me on my analytics it's 
80% of my audience is male and it's mostly young lads and uh, quite a few of them. Are, now, they'd be all around Ireland, but there'd be quite a few in South Dublin because that's where I'm from. Mm. And I think with my whole college experience and documenting that process, it was just very relatable to people who were going to college and in particular young lads because I'm a young lad. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And think about that. There's out of all the colleges in Dublin, like the, I guess the experience would be similar enough, you know, that would uh, kind of resonate with a lot of different uh, groups there. But, you know, those people are going to be graduating too and they're going to be going into the the quote unquote real world. Um, and maybe there's just keep going with that group of people as well without alienating them. Um, one of the, the things that I found the most interesting about your stuff as well is, so I, I watch YouTube quite a lot um, because I, I work, so I work for HubSpot, but I do my own thing in HubSpot. So I don't have a team or anything. So I'm on my own a lot. So I usually have, have two screens. I'll have some sort of YouTube thing on the background um, while I'm doing my work. But a lot of the stuff is like travel videos or, uh, you know, uh, cost of living in Bali or all these ones that have hundreds of thousands of uh, views. And I think it's almost like like what you did uh, to get those, uh, to get the views that you're getting. It's more impressive to me because you're just walking around the canals uh, or you're not, you're not, fucking, you're not in uh, Changu, uh, you know, it's some... Uh, I don't know if you followed Lost LeBlanc. Did you ever see, you ever see him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got your one from Peru uh, hanging off him the whole time. We could all do that. Like, do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, but uh, I'm a chapel lizard <laughs> with a, yeah. a 400 year old camera and me ma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so I think there's a lot, lot of room to grow there. Um, so I know I'm kind of going in here, but I find this really interesting. Mark <laughs> has got a word in uh, Edgebazer. But uh, the, that's standard. Standard, standard stuff here. But what's, so when, you, when you're going to get, when, when was your first paying gig? Uh, so I know maybe we'll, we'll park the YouTube business for a second um, and maybe dig into how you're you're building a business and what do you think about when you're being a freelance uh, uh, videographer. Videographer is probably the wrong word, but like um, video creator. Yeah, I got my first paid gig twenty summer 2015. Myself and my best friend Sean were filming a cafe in near where we live or where we grew up. And we just did it because we wanted to make one and after we were finished the whole thing uh, about a week later Sean rang me up and he was like you won't believe this but Mel has given me 150 euro cash boom and I was like I was like what are we going to do with that and he's like well we're obviously going to split it and uh, I was I couldn't believe someone paid us for a video I thought I'd rob the bank so uh, then I was thinking oh maybe more people would like this you know more, maybe more people need this so we put it up on facebook and it got a lot of views organically um and then from that somebody else asked me to do a video a couple of weeks later and i guess i'm skipping a lot of steps but basically from that i've sort of built a freelance business where uh up until covid it had built up to myself and two other guys so it's more of a production company than just freelance work um, and we'd cover a lot of corporate events we'd cover promo videos did a lot of work in ucd because uh, i just made built up a lot of relationships in ucd and it was basically video content marketed through word of mouth so i've only ever really focused on trying to do a good job for the people who i work with 
and that has organically led to getting more business. Uh, I haven't done a huge amount of outreach per se. Uh, and when I have, and I was slightly off topic, but I found that it doesn't lead to the type of clients that I want. I, I've always been of the belief that I'm going to put content out there and whoever comes to me and likes what I do and likes my style, they're going to be, they're going to pay me properly. They're going to respect my work. Uh, and we're actually ultimately going to have a better working relationship. That's what I've always found as opposed to me trusting myself on somebody else and being like, I can do this and it's great. You know, you're, I'm so good. Just hire me. It just it has a weird sense of neediness to it. So, um, that's what I've tried to do with my content is put myself out there as best I can and the right people will find me. Absolutely. It's really interesting. That's basically what the, my company does. Like inbound marketing is what their what the kind of tagline is all about. Um, and it does. So I've, I've been in sales for a long time, really um, five or six years, like in tech sales. And then before that, I noticed on your LinkedIn as well that you sold uh, security systems door to door. Uh, back in the day <laughs> i did yeah uh, i also when did i was that. 18 <laughs> i also did that as well so uh, i've been selling things for a long time and the difference between somebody who is open to uh, you know they're looking for at least looking for someone to to fix something for them it may not be you but at least they're open to that and the uh you know the the pressure of reaching out to somebody who you know is a good fit for what you do but they have no interest in, in buying from you right now or kind of any time in the near future and trying to get them from there to actually give you a check is a it's a it's a long road and it's not very fun either mark what do you think yeah well look the, the dream for any business is to for people to come to them and not have to 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 sell too much and the only way you're going to do that is by having a big audience a captive audience and that's one of the hardest things to do and that's why that's why people have social companies have social media is but but I don't think I'd say 99% of companies, big and small, aren't doing social media correctly. Um, but then again, but it, like social media, people are, tend not to follow businesses as much and stuff like that. So I don't know, as an individual, Thomas, you're probably better placed there for people to come to you because it's you. There's a story. Same with me and my art. People come, it's, it's my story as opposed to an art business or a you know, a, a videography, huge business, or HubSpot, for example, a big tech company. Um, I'm I'm interested to like a bit of an elephant in the in the room right now is is college. What 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 is the college degree that you're doing, and how does that correlate to, you know, what what you're doing on the on the video side? Uh, yeah. So I uh, my backstory to actually going to college is that. When I was in secondary school, I was, well, I still am a big nerd, but I was a massive nerd in secondary school. And academics was my sort of competition of choice. I, I really wanted to excel at that. And I got it in my head in fifth year that I wanted to do science. And that sort of didn't change in my CAO uh, all through sixth year. And I ended up doing genetics in DCU initially. But over the summer of sixth year and going into DCU, I had changed as a person and I sort of realized, oh my God, I actually don't like science at all. <laughs> so I went off and did that sales job for six months doing alarms door to door. And my dad said, you have to go back to college. I was like, okay. So he said, why don't you do business? Cause you're making videos and stuff. And I was like, okay, grand. Like there wasn't a, 
a big motivation to go and do it, especially because my best friend, Sean, who I mentioned who I did my first corporate video with, or just my first paid video, he went off to film school. So we were best friends. We had very similar interests in terms of video and he chose to go down the film production route and I chose to do business. And the only rationale I had behind it was I do like doing several things at once. I've always had a few things on the go to keep me interested. So I thought it would be cool to do video at the side and then learn about business. And the practical element was business was only 12 hours a week or something, whereas science was 26 hours a week. So I could flake my way through business and it wouldn't be too hard and I had gotten the points anyway, and apparently commerce was like a respected thing. So I was like, let's go do that. So um, when I got into college in first and second year, I did take the piss academically a bit. I, I didn't do a lot because I didn't need to do a lot to pass. And that's all I cared about. Um, I think I, in terms of third year, I did an internship, luckily got one in Microsoft and that was because they didn't care about grades so much because I had a very poor grade point average. And this year I uh, I stepped it up just because I wanted to. So hopefully I got a 2-1, but I definitely did a lot better academically this year. Um, so as it related to my business, basically in college, because the coursework wasn't too intensive, I, I just did all videos in my spare time. So first year it was a lot of vlogging, not a lot of paid work. Second year I was getting more paid work um, and I ended up doing less YouTube. Third year, I did, got more paid work, did less YouTube. This year, I maintained the same level as I had during my internship, but I had more um, like business work than ever. Um, and I sort of just maintained both of them because for me anyway, and I actually think I could fairly blanket say this for a lot of college courses, like it's actually not that taxing. It's not as... You know, I, I've never been of the belief that you'd solely do one thing. Like, for example, during sixth year, I was not always studying. Like, I had other interests. Um, I think you can always balance a few things at once. And that's how I treated my business and college during college. Absolutely. There is so much. I, I don't think I've ever had that much free time that I had in, in college. It was like, like I said, um, like 15 hours a week really isn't a full and then you can really cram if you need to uh, uh for the last exams, four so, yeah. weeks every yeah. semester and i'm like <laughs> you i f i remember the i didn't figure this out until my second year in college that only the last year it counted towards my degree uh in my particular college so i was like okay well i'll just cruise until then and then we'll we'll put on the gas <laughs> last six months or so um so that's what i did um uh, but probably i could have got more out of it if i didn't do that but uh that's that the so where do you th where do you think this is going to go I, i'd say a lot of people this is an interesting time in your life as well because this is actually a time where i talk to a lot of people and even people on the podcast between college and getting starting their career uh, it's got a very stressful time for a lot of people trying to pick a path and um, they may have put themselves on a path four years ago when they started a, a degree and they like like with the genetics thing you're no longer interested in that um so have people been kind of has there been any pressure for you to become an accountant sorry mark <laughs> oh uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, like my my mom's an accountant like i yeah. don't give a rat's about accountancy i i don't care at all it is it is slightly interesting anyway and slightly weird that most of my college friends are off 
to become accountants. <laughs> they're going into EY, they're going into KPMG. And that's something that, you know, when we're chatting with each other, I, I actually, I would know quite a bit about the whole interview process and everything. Cause all that's all they're talking about. Yeah. Um, but for me now, I'm just sort of continuing with what I did since I was 18. I, like I went into college saying, because I had messed up DCU the first time, I remember going into UCD saying, it would be great if I could come out of this sort of degree and have a self-sustaining business by the end of it. And it's, I did both of those things. Now it's sort of, I, I'm in the headspace where I want to continue with the business because I still enjoy it. And my short-term goal at the moment is, can I build up another revenue stream excuse me, build up another revenue stream through social media and try and figure out in terms of with businesses for me, it's one thing being, being able to make video content, but the real El Dorado is to figure out how can they make money through social media? You know, how do you, it's all nice making something pretty, but how can you make something that converts? And that to me now is how can I spend more of my time trying to figure out the platforms in more depth? Cause that ultimately is more valuable for them. Um, but the thing I'm struggling, I've always struggled with is sort of the hiring process of, you know, Thomas, you can make, get somebody else to edit your videos. Ah, oh, but I really like editing them myself. Well, you do know that that means you can't scale. Ah, uh, no, I don't care about scaling. Then the next day, Oh, Jesus Christ, I wish I could scale my time. Yeah. So it's it's this weird sort of balance of trying to keep the quality because I care about quality a lot in terms of how the stuff I put out, but also the quality I deliver to clients. And it's uh, even because clients are such a businessy word, just to people. Like I care about the quality I deliver to people. If we're working together, I love to build like rich working relationships. And uh, it's it's difficult for me to figure out how to get somebody else on board who can like deliver that quality that I would want to deliver myself. It's, it's such an interesting thing. And I think a lot of uh, people in the kind of creative business uh, feel that way as well. We had a, a, wedding, a very successful wedding photographer on the podcast before. And he said that as well. He, I think he, what was it, Mark? Like five years before he allowed anyone to help him until it just got yeah. to a point where... His whole life was just in the in the kind of editing room or the you know yeah it? i think if you're thinking of the like the, the question should i or should i not outsource my answer would be you should definitely outsource um or else you, 10 years time you'll be having the same problems you have now like with my art business one of the reasons that i i couldn't continue on doing it with, and i had to become an accountant and you don't want that <laughs> there's nothing wrong with accountancy yeah. investing. How do you do um <laughs> Is because I couldn't scale it. I couldn't scale it. Now I can scale it with the prints, like I was telling you earlier on. I can do an original painting and let, let the prints do the work for me. But you don't want to be in the same situation where you're doing everything, being pulled left, right, and center. You want to be the guy going in to the companies, talking to the face of the business. Whereas in the background, you have people who you've taught, you know, your way of doing things. And if you can come up with a, a structure on, this is the Thomas Arnold way of, of doing videos or whatever it is. I don't know. Um, that's what you should be doing. They could be working in the background while, while you're, you know, getting business in. You've kind of done that. Or with even your, taking the new ideas. 
you've you've you'd started to do that with your like uh, so mark has a, a financial recruitment business that's his kind of his day-to-day um and that's what you've kind of done you've shied away from the mass outreach stuff that we, we were talking about earlier on and kind of tried to train your people to be basically mark bakers uh on the phone and that right? yeah there's a there's a i have a like a template for everything essentially that that people follow um but, but at the same time, being themselves, you don't want robots. But I do think outsourcing is is a huge thing in in photography, videography, and I think the more you look into it, the more you'll you'll probably realise that that it is worth doing. And that look, that's just my opinion from an outsider's point of view. And listening to Niall Scully, who we had on, and he was very happy with the with the work that uh, he's been able to outsource, and it's just freed up his time, um, even time for yourself. You know, you don't want to doesn't want you don't want it to become a chore or or to get fed up of it as well. You know, you have to have a life and you can find yourself doing everything. Um, but yeah, that's my opinion. Anyway. So it's kind of a weird and thing. Mark, what do you find with uh, like the people who work for you then, or the, the people who you've delegated tasks to, uh, I guess one thing I've struggled with is like, well, what is their motivation in terms of their life? Cause like I, I, I wouldn't do that. Like I wouldn't take delegated work, but have you found that people just have, they're in different strands of life and some people are very happy to take on, you know, templates and stuff that you've given them? Well, for me, it's a, it's a little bit different because, you know, it's, you know, they're, it's almost like their own business within the business and there's a, obviously a commission structure and, and they business develop and we're at quite a, a high level, like you'd be speaking to CEOs, CFOs, and and the guys would be in their thirties. That's that's completely different to probably what I'm talking about with yourself. You know, you could get a VA in in India or the Philippines to do the work for you, not full time. They're not an employee. They're not in the payroll. You know, that kind of outsourcing, um, or develop a relationship with somebody in starting college who 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 might be with you for part time for three years, and then is good enough then to take on full time you know, when, when they, when they come out of college and, um, there's different ways of doing it, but probably v- virtual assistants, VAs would be ideal. And then there's companies of VAs. So companies that literally have a hundred VAs on their books and they outsourced them to you. And then you might develop a relationship with them and kind of go away from the company and just have a one-to-one relationship with someone. That's it's different ways of doing it. That's cool, man. I hadn't thought of that before. Because usually we we talk to people at the like at the end of the career, or at the you know mid career. We were just getting started, so uh, it was almost like we can kind of tell you. Because I, I work with a lot of marketing companies who specialize in um, in video as well, so I can see what's working with them and what's uh, what's what their challenges are. And I've got one in particular who do really really good work. They're based out of Belgium, um, but they do. Uh, an incredible high level work for video and all and for the inbound marketing um kind of strategy uh, but all not all of their work but they do all of the the shoots and stuff like that and then they send all the content to uh, a guy in poland um who does a really good job and they come it comes back and they just kind of polish it that's their their thing so stuff like that so it, it, you don't lose complete control but um one of the interesting things i want to, to kind of pick your brain about as well is where do, where where do you think this can go how how say five years from now what what's the what's the perfect future for you are you is it a a running a creative agency is it something that you're you've got a hundred thousand uh youtube followers and you're kind of 
focus on monetizing that type of uh, business? What's the what's the story? Yeah, I find that question very hard to predict exactly because if to, if we're to flip it and say because I'm 23 now, so could 18 year old Thomas have predicted where he is now? Like absolutely not. I think vaguely yes. Like I think vaguely I would have said I would have liked to have had a YouTube channel that had a few views on it, which has been the case. But uh, let's let's deal with that. I think what would I like right now to be in five years? I'd like a house, like a property, that's for sure. Um, just so I can have that income coming in, even if I wanted to move somewhere. In terms of business-wise, I'm trying to figure out what I want. Like at this moment in time, and I felt like this definitely for the past year, there's uh, an amazing production company run by a guy who was in my secondary school class called Alex Quinn. They're called Bold. You might've seen some of their stuff. They make amazing stuff, uh, visually amazing. Like they do stuff for Betfair, Sky. They've done so many great things, drinks companies. I don't want to be the most amazing visual person ever. Uh, Like what I enjoy at the moment is the quality of my video is good, but I'm sort of, I work best for you when you need a guy to go in. He's social. He gets on with people. You need stuff quick. You need uh, it visually to look nice, but not to be Hollywood level stuff. And um, I'm also helpful because I know quite a bit about business, not necessarily because of my course, but because I've dealt with so many different businesses in freelance that I probably have a rough idea of how your business works. And I can actually have a, a meaningful conversation with you about how are you acquiring customers? Is there another route we can take this sort of more general marketing um, discussions? And I'm trying to figure out how can that be a service? And then also, is there a way for me to, because I'm not just a videographer either. I am a content creator myself. So like I do know the platforms quite well. And is there a niche for that? Is there a niche for a business where I'm a, I'm a content creator videographer or I'm a content creator marketeer to help you market a B2C brand. So um, ideally when I'm 28, I'd like that there has more scope to that and there's definitely more scale. I need something with more scale because as you know yourself, you, know, you can only get paid so much per hour and there's only, many, only certain amount of hours in your day, in your week. So a scalable thing would be good. And then lastly, I'd like to have traveled a bit and to have seen more of the world. And that's where I think those two things mesh is that if there was some way of me doing the work remotely and still giving quality to clientele, then like that would be the ideal world for me. Absolutely. Mark, I just, when he said in five years, he's going to be 28, I was like, oh, that's great. You do whatever you want. There's so much time. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's going to just play jazz. I, it's going to be, don't worry about it. Go, go Mark. I, I just had, I just had a thought. Um, Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think a big problem with a lot of businesses and even uh, individuals is that they, they want to have video as, as content, whether it's on Instagram or, or YouTube or Facebook or whatever, but they're afraid to be the face. So they're afraid to sit in front of, they're afraid to do what you can do. So as a service, could you provide, could you, could you either teach 
you know, one member who puts their hand up on staff, who says, I'm willing to be the face of X company. And you teach them how to do, you know, talking to camera. And then you're obviously making the video, but you're also teaching someone how to how to be in front of in front of video, in front of camera. I think that's probably a good service to have. Um, or even if 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 you outsourced kind of presenters like um I'm sure like like we got a voiceover for the start of this of this podcast. I'm sure there's people who actually who will just do the face to camera for a company, you know, an actor essentially. Can you provide that as a service? Right, what do you need? You need video? Yeah, we can do the video. What do you need? We need a voiceover. Yeah, we've got voiceover artists. And then you outsource the work to those people who did they're not on your payroll, you know, but they they're they're, they're under the Thomas Arnold uh right. service offering. And I think a face to a talk an actor who kind of presents a video for a company is a would be a great tool that you can provide. Yeah, that's very interesting because what I found with clients and stuff is it's far easier for them to say like, I need a good video. And when they see something, when they see a good image and something that represents their brand, they feel good about it. Cause you know, it represents in their head, their idea of their business, but then it might not convert to sales necessarily. And, um, I think you're dead right. Having a face to a business is incredibly is incredibly profitable, but there's, there's like a lot of facets to it. And I think that's why I haven't delved into it yet is that, for example, say with LinkedIn, I think one aspect of LinkedIn is making good content. Another aspect of it is having your profile set up in such a way that it's a sales page so that people will actually DM you from that or go to your website from that. So you could be putting out good content, but if the funnel to get them to where you want to go isn't good. You're actually not going to convert. So it's a multifaceted sort of marketing conversation uh, rather than make a video, you know? So hundred percent. I think that all the time with LinkedIn stuff, like sometimes like I looked through the other day, just in my feed and I was like, is any of this, is any of this for me? It seems like the people who are making it, it's, it's to make them seem a certain way. None of it, do you know what I mean? It, with, it's like a mindset uh, thing where if you're putting out a video or something, maybe it might be actually helpful to people who are watching and they want to click through and then get into your funnel. Um, but like, I don't know. It was just something I thought the other day. I'm like, this, like it's a lot of people are doing uh, LinkedIn marketing uh, poorly, do you know? Uh, or I'm just not the target, but um, it could be yeah. the case as well. Um, but when you, so Mark, when you're, uh, say if you were uh, a young buck like this, 30, uh, 23, right? Um, we're thinking about service business, but would you would you say to Arnold maybe, or sorry, not Arnold uh, Thomas, uh, would you say to Thomas, uh, would you like just do do the travel for a few years anyway? Uh, do travel content while you're there, make make some uh, some incredible videos, see the world, um, or would you say uh, to maybe focus on building the building the kind of the brand or building the business first, and then you know taking the foot off the gas, traveling the world? What would you what would you suggest? Um, I think I, I would do a kind of two pronged attack in general. It would it would be um, building up your personal brand on YouTube, whether it's getting to that fifty thousand, one hundred thousand YouTube followers, same on Instagram, and then the work will kind of come to you, and you're a thought leader and, and doing these kind of podcasts and stuff like that. Keep on doing that, and it's very hard to monetize that, as you know. But people are doing it. I would do more kind of research into that, how you can 
get that to a level where you can actually monetize that directly and then uh, it, it will as a byproduct of that you'll be seen as a thought leader and people will come to you so it's a, it's a complete sales channel i would definitely do that and if one day that took off as your main method of uh income your main income stream happy days then you can travel the world for the rest of your life you can do those videos yeah. anywhere in the world Love so that. that should always be 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 something you should do and then number two is the consultancy stuff um i would i would probably put more focus on that because it's it's going to bring in more money and it, it, it brings in the only probably money that you're getting at the moment is from that so double down on that speak to mentors just become you're you're obsessed with it already so keep going but but do find someone who's kind of done it already. If you can't get their opinion, we can give you our opinions, but someone who's actually in the industry, um, figure out, can you do it uh, by traveling around? And I do your traveling sooner rather than later. Um, personally, I'd, I'd do it tomorrow if you could. Um, All right, see you later, boys. Uh, yeah, gone. <laughs> because... It gets it when you get that house you're looking for, and and you, you know what all the stuff that comes with that. Uh, it gets harder and harder to you're you're not as free, put it that way. Um. So, my question to you is, can you do what you do remotely? And if you can, well then what's stopping you from doing it from Peru or wherever that has a decent Wi-Fi connection? <laughs> uh, I think YouTube, you can because uh, I guess initially in college, I would have thought, oh, I just need to do my college vlogs and stuff. But I've been doing this mini podcast series with my friend Jake about the two of us trying to figure out YouTube. And we literally have a chat every two weeks just um, talking about what's happened the past two weeks and insights we've gathered, yada, yada. And there are a few people who they have such a strong personal brand and the way they deliver the videos that it, it actually can be done anywhere because they can take the mundane, like they could be talk about this green juice and make it a hilarious video. And that's ultimately where you could do it from anywhere because you're not, there's a sort of an important discrepancy there. You're not reliant on going to Costa Rica to get views but the fact that you're in Costa Rica is fine, but you're able to make the content in Costa Rica or Costa del Kulak. You know, you could do it anywhere. Um, that, uh, but you see, I'm not sort of at that stage yet. Um, and I'm reliant on the freelance income, which requires a bit of physicality to it in Ireland mm. for me to make money. Um, so I could go away for two or three weeks, which would be okay but I need someone to cover me and I'd have a shed lot of work when I come back. So mm -hmm. that's like, on the one hand, I'm very happy that I have my own thing. The downside of it is that it's incredibly reliant on myself and my time. And there's, you know, yourself, there's portions of weeks or maybe months where you feel really tired and you don't want to do any work. And that's just, I don't know, just being human. And uh, they can be unfortunate days and nights where you have to get the work done. So, um, I think to answer your question, I need to build up some form of system. And I definitely have that with LinkedIn because I do it in my freaking dining room. Um, you know, I can make LinkedIn content wherever. And if there was a sales funnel for that, great. And I think one thing I'll potentially try and do in the future is some form of online thing. So consultancy or a course or an ebook, something that's scalable, doesn't require me to, me to be there physically, but still delivers a lot of value. Because 
because the one thing I care about, I know every business talks about this. They're like, oh, we deliver value to our customers, blah, blah, blah. But I actually really care about that because for me, I, like I'm not part of some big fucking conglomerate. I'm, I have relationships just like this where individual business owners, they run a freaking chip shop and I want to see their chip shop do well, you know, because I know Garrett is a made up name, but like I know, I know Garrett really well. So as long as I can maintain that deliverable for them, then I'll be happy to to do those endeavors. But you're dead right, Mark, to be honest, and maybe this will be a good kick up the ass because uh, I've known for the past year and a half that it's not sustainable to do hourly work. Um, uh, well, not that it's not sustainable, but like I wouldn't want to be 33 having the same conversation because that's just not great, is it? So um, you have to move to scale at some point. And uh, it's, yeah. it's giving control away is, is going to be hard because from speaking to you, from listening to you, sorry, you're, you're obviously have a lot of attention to detail and you care a lot about the quality of the output. Which is which is something I can relate to for sure, um. But but that can be perfectionism can can be ba- a bad thing in a way, you know. When it comes to freedom, you're it's very hard to unless you let go of control to some extent. You're just going to be a slave to the perfectionism forever. So mm. there has to be a balance that you find, while at the same time being happy with with the quality of the output. If you find the right people, um, you should definitely outsource where you can. And you'll you'll make to be honest, you'll make more money that way, like which is always great. Um, yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> so, so you can pay th- more tax. Yeah, exactly. Give at least you know, especially when you start getting up there and it's a fifty-two percent. It's a it's a it's a bad pill to swallow. Well, uh, Thomas, like ju- sorry, Luke. Just one thing. Like you should be all like if you can with a business like you're doing, you should strive for. You know the the life arbitrage uh, that Tim Ferriss talks about. Can you live in in Costa Rica and get paid in euros from from multinationals in Dublin? Can you do that? If if that's if you do want to live away for a few years, that's what you should be thinking about. And is it online consultancy telling them how to do their videos and and teaching their staff via Zoom how to to you know record certain things and then you'll take you take it you you mash it all together then yeah if they, if they need a Zoom. Or not a Zoom, like a a drone footage of of their the outside of their business. You can outsource that bit, and then that person can send you that video, and then you finish the product in Costa Rica. You give it to them. You get paid, you know, a thousand euro, and you're living on. Pesos. I don't know what they. Say. I don't know what do they do. I don't know. Bananas, <laughs> sure. bananas. Yeah, you're living on bananas. You're living the dream. Okay, no, I think that's a a great thing to think. But I just I love that there's so much possibility here. Um, but uh, but Thomas, you mentioned that, or we were, we were talking that. A lot of people, especially in Ireland, maybe they're, you know, a little bit shy to go on, uh, go on camera. You know, a lot of people are like that. Like even with the, we started the YouTube kind of intros or chopping up their our content, trying to make it like a more like series or kind of digestible. And I'm doing intros and I'm, I'm doing about 50 versions of the intro, a lot of cursing at the end, a lot of, you know, uh, self-hatred, you know, to, <laughs> to a certain, certain extent. Um, so we if you, uh, but there, at the same time, there's loads and loads of people out there who are uh, who want to get into video. They want to start YouTubing. Is there any uh, tips you can give them, or where you where to start? With stuff that you like need to have uh, at the beginning, or anything like that. You know, like say if I'm 18, want to get into YouTubing. What would you? What advice would you give? Yeah, it's it's very common question, and also. I can see how it's very difficult for a lot of people because 
I think the older you start, a bit like you were saying there, Mark, about financially or and time-wise, you can get more constrained. You're also socially more constrained because you've been through a lot more of life. You've heard a lot more stuff about what it's like being a YouTuber. You've heard your friends talk about YouTubers maybe in a in a disdainful way. Um, you might feel more insecure about yourself. So there's a lot of like baggage to get through to even post a video. And I think that's something that nobody would really understand unless you've put out content is that there is this sort of self-improvement you have to go through or self-help you have to overcome to even put a piece of content out that's even if it's terrible like it's it's so funny how we judge everybody's content we say like his content's crap her content's great but to even put out a crap piece of content i think is an incredible achievement because you have to sort of uh bring down your ego a bit and realize you're not perfect and be vulnerable enough to allow people in to what you think and how you see the world. So for someone to start off and maybe this will be a helpful story because like you can, I think the obvious answer is to just do it, but I could give a slightly more nuanced answer. When I was uh, 11, I started like blogging uh, and it was only to myself. So I used to like, I published it online. I think it was on Twitter, was it on Twitter or something? When I was very young anyway, I was pu- publishing this blog. When I was like 13, 14, I was making YouTube videos, but I was also doing stuff on Twitter and I just do like medium posts and just put them up and post them. And basically it's, it was a gradual process of like pushing the boat out, making a, like when I started a vlog, like that was pushing the boat out. Then I did a vlog in public that was pushing the then I did it in college. Then I did one with my shirt off. Then I did one with other people. Then I did. So it was constantly a, a, just a stepping stone process. So if you feel like you want to make content, and I think that's something intrinsic in you. Like I've always known that since I was 12 that I wanted to make stuff. Then why not start with something low key, like just writing a LinkedIn post and try and make it not salesy and make it something you care about. And then maybe you'll be like, oh, that was interesting. I might try it with a different format. Now I might try and collab with this person. Now I might do a video, but I won't put my face in front of it. I'll just do my voice. Then I'll try a video, like baby steps, because video is the the obvious end of the chain almost. But to produce content, you can start with something that's very low key and build up your confidence. I very much uh, liken it to say training, like the first day you go to the gym for you to walk in and do one bicep curl is better than what you did before. And I know that might sound laughable, but it's actually not like it's, it's exactly how you start. Like I do CrossFit now and I do seven sessions a week, but when I was starting, I was doing three sessions a week. And for me to just go to the gym was an absolute victory. And I was doing three hours of work a week. Whereas now, like I probably do 15 hours of training a week and it's, and that was two years ago. So sequential steps can give you so much into your life, you know? It's really, really good advice, I think, because not only, so like I said, it's intrinsic. Uh, the people the people who want to make content, it's kind of like something that they've maybe thought about a lot in the in the past. But I think as well, it is, it is a great, people need to think as well that it's a great differentiator. Um, so just to give you an insight into people, like what what you're doing now allows you to skip the queue in a lot of ways. There's so many people out there uh, who will go for jobs when they're 30 that if you Google them, nothing comes up or 
maybe a a guy who does multi-level marketing uh, in the United States comes up. Uh, if you Google Luke Curry, that's what happens. Uh, and he has a he has a fantastic life. I often uh, send pictures to Mark. It's like my alter ego. Uh, he's got all these cars and everything. Anyway, um, so my my point there is that uh, if you if you were doing content like this, uh, it's so easy for whatever job people are hiring for. They can just go to YouTube and see what you're really like or or what you're what you're capable of. Also, if you're if you get to a point where you're like generating an income from any type of content even a small income that is so impressive so many people the only income they've ever generated is from the their contracted work hours that they do it's you are such an outlier that you i saw your video that you said you made uh, 30,000 when you're in college that is an incredible outlier i don't care if i'm a, so I, I was on the for the last i guess eight months or so i've been on the um, hiring uh, panels uh, for hubspot and if anyone, if anyone has any type of side hustle, I don't care what, I don't care about the references that they have. I'm like, I don't care. Get him in. We'll figure out what to do later. He he knows how to make money. Like that's the most important thing in business. Um, we actually had somebody on the on the the podcast that I had interviewed uh, and gave him a job because of that. Um, shout out Oliver if you're listening. <laughs> but you know, he had it wasn't that his in. It wasn't his, uh, his his like work experience, but it was that he had the the ability to think outside the box. Because a lot of your friends and I'm not, and it's sometimes it sounds like we're you know slagging off the kind of accounting field, but we just use that as a as a an example. A, an example, yeah. yeah, because it's it's something that a lot of people are put under pressure in Ireland to go into and fit into that box. And they will when they're forty, they'll have a nice house. They'll have probably you know the the two gar two cars in the garden, all this all that type of stuff. <laughs> but it's a it's. A, how how can I differentiate myself uh, with any other person that was on that that road? You know, um, so you've already you've already got <laughs> and you're only twenty three, but you've only got already got that differentiator. So sometimes when people are uh, making content, like I said, even if it's not top top quality when they start, um, it's it is better than nothing. One bicep curl is better than uh, curling a donut into your face. Am I right, Mark? What do you think? <laughs> yeah but thing. you just continued on to do bicep curls and and bench press for the for the last 10 years Luke. yeah exactly and it's <laughs> still not as big as the other luke curry i'll send you a picture uh <laughs> he's uh he's in great shape he's over there he's uh doing great his house is huge anyway um can we, can on that we... topic of quality like it's something that i think people forget about is when you think of quality you think of something looking beautiful but quality in a content context is authenticity someone how like we've seen the the viral linkedin posts of someone losing their job and posting on linkedin that day and it did extremely well because it just resonated with people because it was very real like it wasn't manufactured it was something that they were actually going through and the quality of your content like you could film in a potato cam but if it's like real raw and human people will connect with it they don't really care how it looked so uh, I think that's something to remember as well. Is that like you don't need a load of another question people always say is what camera should I buy or blah blah blah. I know the default answer is you can film with your phone. Your phone has 4K. You can still do crap videos on a 4K phone. Don't get me wrong, but it's about as I was saying, getting through the baggage and communicating that something real and authentic and that you care about, not something that you think Jenny will like in. HubSpot, not posting about you and your robe 
on LinkedIn because you secretly want a job because like no shit we know you want a job everybody wants a job everybody wants money like I already know that so why don't you talk to me about what you care about and then we can skip all the cobwebs and actually end up doing something you want to do because another issue I have with say um like job interviews and stuff is that a lot of people young a lot of young people go into them and like they actually don't know what they want but then they make up some bullshit answer that they want to be I won't say accountant again because it feels like we're shooting at all accounts. But uh, say, you know, I want to be uh, a stockbroker. That's one. I want to be a stockbroker. But like they actually, the real answer is, I think I like stock trading. And I think this could be a good step. But I think we need to review this in six months because I'm not sure. And then they could wake up eight years later and be like, holy Lord, I didn't know what I was doing. So we need to have more honest conversations because ultimately, I don't care what mark does as long as he's happy you know it's you, you don't need to get wrapped up around the titles you have around yourself or like what you own or what you say to your girlfriend what you're doing like you got to enjoy what you're doing ultimately but the fact is that like people that excel in in their you know when you see people who've done really well or, or who would be outliers like they they have doubled down on, on what they enjoy what they're passionate about it's very it's very difficult to become successful in a in a lane that you're just in just to make money just to be safe you know like it, the real people if you really want to do well you have to be obsessive you have to be passionate so and, and that avenue that lane has to actually be able to make money like you could be you know i was going to say playing jazz or something expecting to become a millionaire but maybe maybe you can but you know like obviously in video and social media there is there's so much money to be made um so I think you're right to stay in that in that lane and not be tempted to move into the the typical kind of business stuff if if you've proven or especially you've proven already a lot of people wait till they've finished uh, college to to give it a go, um, whereas you've actually done the right thing and used all those spare hours and actually proven that there is a business model there. So now it's just about doubling down on it. To 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 talk about YouTube, we like to be quite practical in this uh, in this podcast. Like, what would be the actual if someone was starting like ourselves? We've started a YouTube channel and we found we've learned a lot. But what would be the kind of key tips you'd have for someone starting a YouTube channel? Um, I pick a niche if you can. Um, I'd start with that. I download vidIQ, which is a Chrome extension. Uh, I get the pro version, which is $10 a month, but well worth it because with the $10 a month, there's a tool called Keyword Inspector. So if I was, for example, an accounting firm, I'd type in accounting and then you see all the top search terms with the phrase matches to go with that. So <clears throat> you can see actually, so a step before that is I'd go onto YouTube, I'd go onto YouTube on an incognito tab and I'd type in accounting and then I'd see what comes up next. So accounting tips, accounting advice, accounting tricks. Then before the accounting, I put all the, uh, five W's and how. So why accounting blah, how accounting blah, uh, how to accounting blah, when accounting blah, and just see all the search terms that come up. And then I'd make videos literally about those search terms. With Keyword Inspector, you can check the search volume so you can see how many people are actually searching for it. Um, so you'll get a good gist there of, oh, there's people searching for this. I could end up in the recommended feed, which is the the right sidebar of YouTube if I make a decent video. Um, 
so I'd list out all those topics, uh, make insightful videos on them that are a level above what a Google search would give you. So uh, uh, an obvious example might be, oh, geez, I know nothing about accounting, uh, debits and credits. There you go, debits and credits. So level one, you make a video explaining debits and credits. Level two, you add uh, a personalized element to it. You add a bit of anecdotes, stories, you learning debits and credits at the start, blah, blah, blah. Um, a level above that would be to give like industry insights. Maybe you format it in such a way that like you do them all in four minutes. They're like four minute accounting.com or something. Um, so I, I do that. And then the last thing I'd focus on, excuse me, burping all the time this morning. Uh, I'd focus <laughs> that green on green juice. Uh, yeah, it's all about that green juice. Uh, greenjuice.com forward slash Mark Baker. Um, <laughs> I'd focus on making a really, really clickable title and thumbnail, a really, really clickable title and thumbnail. And another thing that vidIQ has is that it shows you trending videos in your industry. So you can see like the thumbnails of other people and just mix and match what they've done and copy it. Um, and I haven't done this before, but I'm sure you could outsource those thumbnails if you don't have the Photoshop skills because thumbnails can actually take like an hour to make if they're, or even longer if they're really good. So, um, yeah, focus on that because thumbnails are so. I can't re- say this enough. Thum- titles and thumbnails are the the shop window of your YouTube channel. It's like when people are going on the high street, they're like, "Oh, I'd want to go in there." I don't know if you know Pit Bros in town, but um, they had a sign up for ages that said "Sex." Now that we have your attention, <laughs> come in for some nice meat. Like that's the window to get people in there. So uh, it's so important for your titles and thumbnails to have that. I think that's great advice because we we were putting up, so since we started, we've been putting up our, our videos on YouTube, but it's, it's basically, we've almost just been using it as a video repository. We hadn't done anything with it. It was just our videos edited, but they were all, some of our early podcasts were going on, you know, more than two hours and crazy stuff like that. So, you know, it, it is a big step for somebody to, you know, find our, our, just who was on the podcast, you know, very, uh, you know, straightforward th- thumbnail, uh, and then sit there for two hours and watch random people talk. So we've, we've kind of taken that on and we're trying to get it better with our, um, thumbnails and just like the, when we say really good, it's, it's interesting as well. You kind of do, do you have to kind of see what's working with other people? and try not to invent the wheel is it would that would that be advice as well so or or is there something valuable and being really good at making your own approach to thumbnails um there's no like there's no solid answer to that a lot of youtube is just trial and error one of the most viewed videos on my channel i think has eighty thousand views now is uh it's called inside my 675 year old month house and I literally thought of the idea in the morning because I saw a real estate video and I was like, oh, let's just copy the thumbnail and I'll act like I'm on the phone. And it like blew up in a week and I, I had no idea that that was going to happen. So a lot of it is trial and error. Um, but I just think it's a mix of both, like t- just test, you know, test stock standard ones, test more out there ones, see which does better. There's a degree of luck to all of these things. The more at bats you have, 
the more likely you are that one of these videos will do very well. And it can have this sort of trickle down effect that say one of your videos gets like 50K or something, you might get a thousand subscribers off that, 200 of which will be weekly viewers. So these sort of viral attempts is what I call them. The viral attempts, which can be more experimental and they might not work out at all. They have tremendous upside because like they can give you uh, a loyal viewership over time um so i like that idea as well approach that it's kind of like just building a, a, th- those kind of viral attempts it's kind of like just building a funnel for for the people who maybe you're you're uh, for want of a better word real content but you're kind of more normal content that you make that will speak to or resonate with so it's kind of how do you get people into that funnel you have to get their attention somehow whether that's uh provocative signs over barbecue joints uh or a uh, a thumbnail that's that, that that really speaks to people so we've been uh experimenting with that and we'll continue but mark we are uh pushing an hour here this is when we usually jump into the quick fire questions we could chat all day about uh with youtube stuff but i, ju- I just had one more question about youtube sorry luke um yeah. uh, thomas who, who in ireland would be the biggest kind of youtubers and what categories do they fall into and is that the reason why they are as big as they are um yeah to, the second half of that is very difficult answer it's a very difficult question to answer i think but the the biggest one by subscribers is jack septic who is a uh, a gamer he's been around for years uh, i haven't researched his channel necessarily because like often with these guys you can go back and see if there was a video that really blew them up. There's a, it's that's quite a common story. There's they were trickling away, trying different things, and one went viral, and it it really did help their career tremendously. Um, but I guess people who I keep an eye on would be Paddy Galloway. He's been blown up recently. What's he? Um, he would do. I don't know. He would sort of break down the success of successful YouTubers. He'd be in a class guy to have a conversation with with, with regards to YouTube as well. Um, so he's successful breaking down the success of <laughs> successfully. It's basically the Tim Ferriss uh, approach with the, the tools. But he's like been very good at monetizing it. Like I am not good at monetizing YouTube yet. I have my own side business to make me money. But Paddy has monetized his videos. Like very. And how many followers has he? How many subscribers has he got? I think he ha- he has a hundred k now at least. But he's done it on more than one YouTube channel, I think. Um, well, so next level. he's a beast. He's an absolute beast. Um, and then, look, Rob Lipset is a stock standard name from fitness. He's been around for years now. He's definitely turned it into a, a good business. Uh, an up-and-coming fitness YouTuber would be Glenn Gillen, who's been steadily growing over the past three years, probably. Um anybody else am i answering your question mark yeah yeah no absolutely but it's it's yeah i know i know some of those names but i do think it is gaming like it helps like if your niche is too small you're not going to be you mightn't get to a hundred thousand you might get to twenty thousand and they're loyal followers and that's our subscribers and that's fine but it does seem to be the family vlogs you know there's a, there's a family called the sacone jolies they they must be in the millions of subscribers at this stage and and my wife watches them um and when you see their houses and stuff, it's actually just incredible. Like, like, yeah, huge mansions. And it's Thomas, like you must it's like the, the the new cribs. Like, 
um <laughs> gaming obviously everybody knows that's the biggest thing on, on on youtube and my kids are watching people play roblox and minecraft all day um i shouldn't say all day um and what else yeah well gaming and, and kind of family vloggers and, and beauty and health fitness they seem to be the big ones um whereas maybe maybe bit entrepreneurship is quite big as well i have to say if, if you look um one other thing before we go into the questions how does the monetization of youtube work nobody seems to to fully explain that do you know exactly how does that work or, or do you know so to be able to monetize at all you have to hit a certain criteria on your channel so i think it's something like 10,000 views and a certain amount of minutes watched so then at that point you can turn on monetization for your videos and the main metric to look at is what's called CPM um, and that's the amount of you normally say dollars because YouTube is American so they say dollars so the amount of dollars you'd get per thousand monetizable views so um, for me, that's incredibly low. It's at like 50 cent. And also a lot of my college videos, they had copyrighted music in them. So that means any revenue generated would go towards the artist or the record label who owns the music. But in general, if you're using non-copyrighted music, um, which I do now, most of the time, sometimes I don't, um, you it would be anywhere from a dollar to eight or nine dollars per thousand views. Um, it depends on what industry you're in. So if you're making finance videos, the ads that can run on that are higher ticket items normally. They're normally courses and stuff, and they end up being higher CPMs. Um, other And like family channels would be very kid-friendly, so they'd have high CPMs because you can sell toys to kids and stuff. Um, other channels, it would be a lot lower. So you don't really know until you start making videos on it. Um, but if you work out the maths on that, if you're getting even on a smaller channel, 10 to 20 K views a month. Um, and it's all, it's around $5 a month. Then you could be getting like a hundred euro a month without having to do very much. So, mm-hmm. um, that's sort of how it works. It's very channel dependent. The one thing I'd recommend is pay for a royalty free music subscription site like Artlist or epidemic sound, which is a SaaS model. It's only like $12 a month. So you can have good music, but you won't get copyrighted and um, just keep an eye on your CPMs. And also if you're able to make longer videos, you can insert more ads in it. YouTube will. So if it's compelling and people watch for longer, you'll make more money on that. But I've always veered on the side of just make a video that you'd want to watch. Don't focus on trying to hit the 10 minute barrier just because you can whack in another ad there if it's three minutes of fluff extra, you know, so. Well, I, I think people would more likely are more likely to watch the 10 minute video more than the 20 minute because they know there's going to be more ads in the, the longer videos as well. So that, that that's something I heard. But uh, no, it's interesting to know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Love that. So Mark, let's, let's get cracking here. Do I win a prize here if I answer most of these correctly? You, if you get everything right, we'll send you a prize for sure. It may look Excellent. like it may be a T-shirt that looks like this. Oh, let's go, okay. baby! <laughs> uh, I probably should have said that at the start. The more you mention MarkBakerArt.com throughout the the whole podcast, <laughs> the more T-shirts you get. Um, it's all product okay. placement. It's behind him and me. <laughs> okay, what apps do you use the most? Uh, how many do you want me to say? 
Uh, just one or two. Uh, okay, my laptop, Final Cut, Photoshop and Lightroom, and then on my mobile phone, Waking Up by Sam Harris and Adverse.ie. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your favorite social media and why? Um, YouTube, because uh, there's so much good content there. Okay. What's the best business idea you've never acted upon? Personal branding SaaS business. Personal branding SaaS business. Okay. Uh, what time do you get up in the morning and what time do you go to sleep? Uh, wake up at 8 and go to bed at 11. Okay. Nice, nice nine hours. I like it. If you could do business anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, uh, New York. Okay. Um, how much money is enough money? Uh, about 75k okay what do you fear um, oh, well, I, I would say nothing here but that'd be like so <laughs> somebody so, said that yeah yeah I don't have a fear of drowning but like I'm not a great swimmer I enjoy swimming but I'm not a great swimmer so maybe a semi fear of drowning I don't know Okay, you'll, you'll have to get down to Greystones with Luke. He's swimming in that ocean every day. Yeah, getting in there. But uh, I also, I, I think I said that, I think that was my answer as well, Mark. Just, I, I, I see it. a future where that may be how it all ends because I swim quite the, a lot. So The the irony, we're on a, a, a podcast called The Shark Pod. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what, what age do you plan to retire? Uh, I'm not going to retire. <laughs> Is it who you know or what you know? You kind of, you kind of broke up there. I didn't get that. Sorry, but both, both. Okay. Um, if you could advise someone to learn one skill, what would it be? Um, confidence. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. This, these, the last two are kind of a little bit different because it's not that long ago. But what book would you recommend to the eighteen-year-old you? Oh, um, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Okay, I haven't read that. Have you read that, Luke? Shoe, no. Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. No, no, I haven't read it. Uh, it's the the Nike guy, right? It is yeah. savage. Really? Can't put it down. Can't put it down. It's amazing. Yeah. Read yeah, it three times. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> what advice would you give to the 18-year-old you? Uh, forget the YouTube videos. Just go after birds. Love it. And on that bombshell, <laughs> uh, no, the good news is that you have won the t-shirt. Uh, after, afterwards, uh, Mark will send you the the different versions that we have, but we'll send that out to you for being a, a guest on the show. But uh, I think this has been super interesting. Thomas, thanks so much for, for joining us today. Um, we're, we're just getting started with the YouTube stuff. Um, but like I said, you're 23. You have so much, <laughs> so much time to do whatever you want. You can take a couple years off and just go traveling. Um, that's what I did and didn't I didn't have any income or anything when I was doing it so maybe plan plan for that <laughs> that's what I would say <laughs> but uh, so you're not stressed out when you're in uh, Ar- Argentina or whatever um, but it's uh, like we'd, if we can help you in any way uh, going forward if we um, can connect you with somebody that can help uh, in that industry or whatever in marketing we'll we'll definitely do that but uh, Absolutely. so thanks very much for coming on and have a, a, a great rest of the weekend alright thanks Thomas thank you alright